welcome to the Swim Swam podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges, and joining me today is UVA team captain, Alexis Wanger. Alexis, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you. hear a little bit about your background. Um, how did you end up at, uh, at UVA on the swim team? Um, originally, I was going to go to U- University of Michigan, and then I ended up taking a trip last minute, like April of my senior year. And I went out to Virginia and instantly fell in love with it. I instantly clicked with the team and then just had such a great time, went home, called up Todd and committed like the next weekend. So. (laughs) Yeah. Well, how did, how did you end up in swimming in in general? Uh, Tell us a little bit about your, your formative years. Um, so my dad taught me how to swim when I was three. Um, and then I didn't get into swimming competitively until I was like six. I just joined summer league and I hated it. I hated it after the first week. So I quit. And then, summer league? Yes, yeah, summer league. I hated it. I just did it. I quit before our first meet. I had went to like a, a week of practice and just like didn't like it. Okay. And then, um, so I didn't swim for another two years until I was eight. I was went out to dinner with my cousins and they were doing summer swim league and it was just a different team. And they were like, you should join our team that we're on. Like, it'll be more fun. You'll know more people. So I did. And then at our first meet, I was, I could only swim freestyle at this point. I was not good at any of other strokes and I swam a 25 freestyle and I just broke like, it was called the gross point hunt club. It was just like our little club. And I had broke the pool record for the eight and under 25 freestyle. So my dad was like, you're not quitting this time. And then I, that's how I came to be. But <laughs> it, when did you find yourself first actually enjoying swimming? Um, I enjoyed it from then on. Like okay. then I started, it took me, I didn't start year round till like a year and a half after that. And then, um, as I got a little older, like States was a lot more fun going to States and just like going to bigger and bigger meets. And then it got, a, it was a lot of fun. Um, and so I just stuck with it. I also played soccer. Um, like I started soccer when I started swimming. So I was playing both of those sports for a while. And then I quit soccer in middle school to focus more on swimming. But then once I got back to high school, um, I started playing soccer for my high school because it was only in the spring because I liked them both, but then ended up just sticking with swimming. But I thought I I had a lot of fun with it when I was younger and now clearly, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So, so you get to UVA, um, talk us through your first, your first year on campus, kind of the changes you go through freshman year can be a big transition pretty much for everyone, regardless of if you're in a sport or specifically in swimming. Um, what, what, what changes did you go through that first year at UVA? Um, a lot of changes. The first couple months was super, super difficult for me. Um, I never did doubles in high school, so that was a big change. I'm also not a very big aerobic person. I do not like doing any aerobic sets. So that was, I mean, the first two months is just getting back into shape. 
So that was just something very new for me. I was, I was just definitely not prepared for that, but I don't really think anyone is. Um, and it was really tough, but I saw just by our first meet, like how much I had improved. I didn't swim very well my junior and senior year. And um, honestly, going in to college, I was kind of worried that I had hit my peak, like my freshman and sophomore year of high school. I know that girls tend to peak out and I was worried about that. And then once I got there and, you know, got through all the tough training and had kind of made it through the first couple of months, it like, I really, I was already improving. I was seeing a lot of improvements. And um, so that made it a lot easier. And then, you know, as the year went on, we started getting into um, after January, that's when we start kind of coming down and focusing more on sprint work. And I found myself like, it's a lot more enjoyable. I was doing a lot better. And um, overall, I really, really was happy with my first year. Yeah. I, did you have a big club uh, club team in high school or a big high school team? No, my club team was super small. Like whenever we'd go to nationals, it was normally me and this one other, I don't know if you guys know, Jacob Montag, he's the swims from Michigan. And then maybe one other girl, like it would be three of us. Or I think when we go, when we would go to NCAAs, my senior year, we had the most people and it was like seven, it was four girls and three boys. So we just had enough people for one relay, but we were not big. No. <laughs> Gotcha. Uh, so you, you know, I think coach Todd will say this as well. You're kind of known for your power. You have, you have a great start, great pullouts. Um, is that something you had developed in high school, um, and just kind of continued on into college or, or did you find that you really started developing, um, an elite level talent for those kind of uh, power moves in college? Yeah. Um, I would say, I think my pullouts have still improved. I think my pullouts were always kind of powerful. I've always been pretty strong, but I don't think I knew my strength in high school. I didn't know how strong I actually was. And so college and lifting um, really helped. Like even my first year, I didn't really know how strong I was. I was kind of started off like with everybody else, um, just lifting the same amount. And then it wasn't until we really started like maxing. I like kind of tested myself. And then this year, I started lifting even more than I did last year, which I think has really helped me a lot um, through college, but, or through right now, but. Yeah. Where, when did you start uh, becoming a breaststroker? Um, like I said before, when I first started swimming, I was only good at freestyle and I got into butterfly. I was a little butterflyer okay. and uh, my breaststroke kick was illegal for the first like three or four years that I swam and then I finally <laughs> I finally learned how to swim it and ended up like becoming a breaststroker um because originally I would only swim like 50 free 100 free maybe 100 fly and then like 100 or once I learned breaststroke like 100 I am I didn't really even get into it too much and then um I really started liking it I don't know I just randomly kind of switched and now that's like, now I don't even really swim freestyle anymore or butterfly. So, <laughs> I don't yeah. Know. So coming into college, did you have goals for yourself? Um, I mean, I know you mentioned you were a little afraid that you had already, you know, kind of reached your peak in the sport. Um, so did you have goals coming in and did, did those change throughout that first year? Um, yeah, for sure. I, 
didn't want to accept that I hit my peak. And my club team coach was always like, you have so much potential. Like I can see you, you know, competing with like Lily King, not that anyone can really compete with her. She's unreal, but at least like breaking a minute going at least like 58. Um, and I, that was my big thing. I think breaking a minute, I didn't really see myself as much of a two brush ogre just because I was for so long. It was just so like my hundred breaths compared to my 200 breaths was just so different. It just was not normally you're kind of like when you're a brush ogre, you're both for the most part. And I was just mostly hundred. And so I really didn't see myself doing too well in the 200 either. Um, I wanted to drop time, but I didn't know that like I would be able to make NCAAs in it or anything like that. Um, but that changed throughout, like, as I started dropping more time. Cause I mean, I went fast when I was a freshman and then like never really went close to any of those times. So I didn't know like if I was going to be able to, especially in the 200, just because I'm not a big distance person, even though it's not distance, but you know what I mean? So when you said you went a best time as a freshman or you swam fast as a freshman, do you mean, you mean in high school, right? Yes. Freshman year of high school. So, so I you- just, like did not really see myself doing well in the 200, honestly. <laughs> so, so you didn't go a best time in, in breaststroke for four years? Um, I had gone it my sophomore year at Nashville. Okay. I matched it, but I ended up getting DQ'd because they said <sighs> that my kick was like illegal, but it wasn't because the, the reason was for it, like my up kick, it looks like when it comes down, I'm doing a fly kick. So I got DQ'd. And they didn't really have very good, like, race footage. You couldn't, like, see it because there was an underwater camera. So, I, because I was, I had, was going into finals. I was first. And then I, I was DQ'd. So, and then it's same in my 200. I wasn't first, but I had made it back. Um, gotcha. And then after that, that was hard to come back from also because I was scared for all my next meets that I was going to get DQ'd, which was kind of an issue, but. That's, I think that's, that's, I think that's a very relatable issue for a lot of breast chokers, right? Because that line between the up kick and the down kick is so fine. And, you know, it's, I don't think you can even argue that if you have a good up kick, it's faster. Right. Um, so, so how did you kind of come back? Did you make changes? I know, you know, f- for an example, we've seen Cody Miller. 2019 Pan Ams, he, he DQ'd a relay mm-hmm. and then he came back. He actually, you know, publicized, okay, I'm, I'm making a change to my technique. Um, you know, a lot of people kind of in that same boat did, how, how did you get through that kind of stigma of, oh, am I going to get DQ'd now for um, any, any race? I definitely was a little more cautious, but like my coach, when we came back that next week, like we took a lot of videos of my kick and like he ended up sending them to USA Swimming because it just like was legal. Mm-hmm. So I didn't worry about it too much, but I still was worried that someone would see it how the other official did. I don't know. And sometimes you can't, like it's too late to argue back and you know what I mean? So um, I didn't change it too much. I still kick the same way now. So I don't really know if I just, if it looks better, I don't know. But <laughs> Uh, I still kick the same way. I tried for a little bit to kind of, I used to be able to really like feel my feet kind of come out of the water. So I've kind of lowered that in that stance, if that makes sense, but mm-hmm. not drastically. I didn't make any big changes really. Yeah. So um, at maybe after your first year at UVA, did you see yourself becoming um, the team leader, not only 
you know, with your performances, but I'm assuming with, with your leadership outside of the pool as well, um, becoming a captain as a junior and, and being one of the leaders on the team? Um, I definitely have always tried to be someone that everyone can feel comfortable with and like come to with any issues. I really try not to be um, too scary, I guess. And especially with the incoming first years, I feel like I can help them a lot because I really struggled my first couple months, like just like getting used to all the training and just the new experiences being far away from home, stuff like that. Like I struggled with it. And so now I've been really like this or my last year, I really tried to um, bond with the first years over that just because I knew that it's, it's really a really tough time transitioning from high school to college, regardless of like how in shape you are. Um, So I just try to, be someone that everyone can come to at least. Um, I have a pretty outgoing personality. When you get to know me, I can come off kind of shy at first, but I think my team has seen, my team has seen the very um, upbeat side of me. Um, I can be very energetic at most times. So I think that kind of helps. <laughs> um, we basically, how our team chooses captains is we all um if you are interested in becoming a captain everyone like sends todd you know a little spiel about why you're interested in becoming a captain then it's like team voting um and i honestly think that it's a good balance to kind of have you know two fourth years and two third years um it helps a lot with just little things so anyone that all out of all the girls that did um like send in a thing to want to be captain, like anyone would have been great. So I wasn't like expecting myself to be a captain, but I'm very happy that I was chosen. Sure. Mm. Uh, what do you think it, it is about the UVA team culture that allows you to be, you know, yourself to be that outgoing person that you are on the inside, you know, genuinely? Um, wh- what about the UVA team lets, lets that come out? Um, just like I said, like even on my recruiting trip, um, they instantly felt like family. And what I love about our team is that, you know, we're all so close, but we're all completely different. Like none of us are exactly the same. And I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, I'm really close to this person because we're the same person. And what's unique about our team is that we're all so different and have all our own different personalities and all our different quirks, but we all still come and mesh together so well. And we like, when things get super hard, like we're there to always pick each other up, no matter like whether it's coaches aside or anyone aside, we're always there for each other. Um, and I think with some teams, you can have certain groups that are like that, but it's hard or difficult to make the whole team feel like that. And that's why I think our team is so special because like just our entire team, there's not like one straggler ever left out. Like we just have such a tight bond and I think it's because we're all so different and have different personalities that we all just end up like coming together and meshing really well. Yeah. I know from, from what limited uh, practices I've seen at UVA uh, with Todd, I know it's, it's pretty palpable. There's a lot of yelling and (laughs) a lot of excitement during the workouts. I know uh, this November I was there with a workout with you and Morgan, Kate Douglas, and uh, it was it was exciting. That was really a fun workout to watch, and uh, I think that kind of leads me to to my next thing I'd like to discuss, which was this season. Um, you know, at, at the end of the season, I think heading into NCAA's, which obviously was canceled, everyone was like, "Whoa, 
uh, like UVA women really have a shot to contend for a title. Um, mm-hmm. And I think talking to, to one of your coaches, that was something you guys had pretty much known the whole year. Is that correct? Um, that we were going to like come out at the top? That, that you were going to make a run at the title. Oh, um, yeah. So we sit down. Uh, I'm sure every team does this, but kind of just go over our goals as a team. And we had made one of our goals to win ACCs. And then we originally just wanted to get top four at NCAAs, like just win a trophy. That was like our goal for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until our midseason meet at Tennessee that we were kind of like, oh, like maybe we have a shot at top three. Um, you know, our goal is top three now. We weren't ever really like, we're going to win until probably right before ACC's. Um, you know, it was, yeah, it was just kind of, we all, all, we shocked ourselves, but it was also kind of exciting to just shock everyone else because I feel like UVA tends to kind of get like, Oh, I don't know where they're going to be at, you know? And like, we were looking at the rankings a couple of times after um, I think it was Virginia tech, like we were six in the rankings and like we knew that we were better than that, just things like that. Um, or sometimes they don't predict that we would come out top. Like some people were still like, oh, like Stanford and Cal, like they're always front runners. Like, you know, Texas wins every year. Texas men wins every year and they lose every dual meet. So we never, you know, no one really knows where people are going to pan out. But I think we definitely were ready to show like everyone what we could have done. Yeah. As As a team that, you know, certainly the swimmers on the team currently have never been in a position like that um, mm-hmm. to, to, you know, really challenge for a title. Yeah. Um, after ACCs, did you guys feel pretty prepared to do that? And if so, you know, how, how had you guys put in the work and put in the prep to be like, all right, we, we feel battle ready? Um, I think one of the main disappointments that came with not having NCAAs was not having our 200 medley relay. Um, we were really excited about that. And like just the whole year after, especially after Tennessee and all the, me, myself included Morgan, Kate and Caroline were all not tapered for ACCs. Um, so we were super excited and confident because we would have gotten that taper meet and like gotten the taper and seen what we could have done as long as there was a lot of other girls that weren't tapered Um, and just seeing how well we did do at ACC's. um, I don't think we even expected to score the most points that's ever been scored. Um, We just went out and had a really, really good time and we're a lot more confident walking in than we have ever been. I think just, especially coming out from my first year, I don't think we were as confident. We were more like, Oh, we might win like NC state's always, such a good battle so we you know you never know but I think we walked in a lot more confidently this year and then going off of that like we came back with a lot more confidence knowing that since we just did that that we definitely would be able to make some noise at NCAAs but was it a surprise to you at all um how highly you were seated in your events at NCAAs um yes I had kind of argued with Todd about this quite a lot because I never thought that I would not taper for ACCs. And he was basically telling me like, you're not going to get any taper. Like you're not going to get any rest. And like, even my dad was arguing with him, like she needs rest. (laughs) And he was like, no, like she's a different person this year. Like she doesn't need it. Like, just trust me. And like, 
at first I just like, I agreed with it. I was like, it's fine. And as I got closer and closer, I was kind of like, <laughs> okay, you might be right for like the first day. I'll be fine on the first day. But like, how am I going to make it to, to Saturday and swim the two breasts? Like I'm going to be a lot more tired than, you know, Kate or Morgan who don't ever really get rest. And um, so, no, I was really shocked with how I say my ACC is not being tapered. Um, I did not think that I could go 57 untapered. Um, I'm Sophie clearly wasn't tapered either. So that was a good matchup. Like she's so amazing, but, um, no, I did not think that I was very surprised with how it turned out, but yeah. Can you, can you walk me through those races? You know, how did you feel in the hundred? How did you feel in the 200 on that last day? Um, not as bad as I thought. I felt really good in the 200. We've been working a lot on stroke count. So as long as I hit my stroke count, like I know that I'm okay. Um, I also had been working a lot doing, I went from one 200 stroke practice to two, three a week. So that helped my 200 a lot. Um, and the 200 is always painful, but like with the pain, I was happy with my result. Cause normally when I start really hurting, like, I'm like, Oh no, this is going to go badly, but it didn't. So I was happy with that. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> um, so, so uh, moving forward from that, you know, uh, how NCAAs gets canceled. What are you thinking now? You know, now that you know you are a captain, you are a leader of this team, and I'm sure you guys have have another pretty big chance to compete for a title in this coming season. But with so many unknowns, how, how are you guys facing? facing moving forward as a team? Um, I think, as always, I think everyone is kind of hoping to at least have as normal as a season as we can, um, whether that's not traveling as far. I hope we get to still travel. Um, right now, I mean, I think it's been a struggle, most of us not swimming for three months, um, kind of starting to slowly get in the back into things how they were before. Um, I think right now the big emphasis that we've been putting on our whole team is just to not freak out, but just to slowly get back into it, not to injure each other or, you know, go back into eight, 10 grand in one week. We like Todd's been setting out some stuff. So we're starting at like three grand, then slowly progressing up week by week, which since now most people are starting to get back into pools, but still not trying to stress anyone out too much because I know like, through this whole practice process, like I've had a lot of anxiety, like, Oh my gosh, I haven't been swimming. This is as long as anyone's been out. Like, am I going to fall back to how I was before? Like, am I going to be able to get back to where I was? Um, that's been really stressful, but I think we've done a good job. Like all of us stay in touch every day and like keeping each other kind of accountable for everything. I think at this point, all of us are like by far ready to be back in and get ready for the season. Um, just because we've already had such a long break and we want to be able to, contend for or compete for another title hopefully we're just hoping that that is able to happen even if it's no spectator but just doing what we can at the pace that we can to get back we're not trying to like Todd's been good about not trying to pressure us too much but if you can't get because not everyone's able to still get in six days a week like seven days a week you know it's more like three or four and you don't know what hours you can get into an outdoor pool and been kind of crazy but we're working towards it <laughs> yeah I mean yeah I think I think 
what you're saying is so relatable because literally every swimmer in the country and the world is, is going through this right now. How, how have you personally, um, you know, maintain fitness throughout this quarantine. Are you able to swim? I'm, I'm guessing you're at home right now. You're not in Charlottesville. No. Um, pools in Michigan just opened back up June 8th, kind of. It's like, it's more like you have to schedule a time. Um, my club team is still figuring out, like they haven't gotten our whole team back in. So I've been swimming. Last week was the first week that I got back in and I've just been swimming on my own like in the mornings. I coach a summer league swim team, so I'm, I just come before they have practice at 7, and I swim for like an hour and 15 minutes. I just try to do like three three grand right now. That's what I've been doing. Um, but before this, I was able to – I have a trainer who owns a gym not far from my house, and since he owns it, like he was allowed to do just um, – privates since it's just one-on-one so I was doing that to keep um trying to maintain my strength as much as I could um we have a peloton bike so I got into that to try to do some cardio but now it's been nice to get back in it's interesting to see how cycling kind of helps your swimming but yeah that's what I've been doing but now I'm slowly starting to get back in so it was rough the first week but this week was significantly easier than last week which was which is good it's making me a little be a little bit more positive about continuing going back at least <laughs> yeah that's uh, certainly um all right so so last kind of topic uh that i'm interested in covering is um uva started doing trash talk tuesday you yeah. came on this past tuesday um to sort of continue the conversation um about this black lives matter movement that is happening in our country right now um and I'd like to ask you about your experience, you know, as, as a black woman growing up, do you, did you ever experience, um, did you, did you feel a segregation ever growing up? Um, personally, okay. So I have gone to private school since preschool. I've been there like K through 12. I went to private school in Gross Point, which is like a majority white suburb. Um, so all of my friends growing up were all white and I mean, I think I'm fortunate enough to be mixed. So I get a good little, you know, mix of both. I get to see both sides, which is nice, but definitely growing up, I would say I just wasn't aware to certain circumstances that were happening around me or I would have, I just didn't acknowledge anything because, you know, I had grown up just around like all my friends were white, like I said, um, And maybe I just didn't, like, I personally had no bad experiences. Like, I never had any real um, racist things happen to me. But I definitely now, as I have thought back, have, like, I witnessed or heard things, not only just comments to me that I would kind of just shrug off or just not really think that they were, you know, subconsciously racist things. I think that's the issue is a lot of, I don't think any of my friends from home or anyone I grew up with is a racist at all. I just think that, you know, everyone makes mistakes and says, I've done it myself, like says self-consciously racist things to someone. And, you know, I wasn't, I definitely growing up was not someone who told someone, oh, that's wrong. You shouldn't say that, which um, 
like now I'm like, okay, like, I don't know why I did that. You know, I just wasn't thinking like as a middle schooler or high schooler about all that kind of stuff. Um, but I never personally really witnessed anything nearly close to what blacks face every day. So, I mean, in that way, like, I can't really speak too much on that, but, um, yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Not, not at all. Um, so, so given this, you know, the, the murder of George Floyd, the the countless murders of, of other, uh, black males and females to white policemen um what 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 do you feel like you've gained what do you feel like you've learned the past few weeks just kind of you know being a part of this experience of this movement um like I said I I still want to be someone that people can come to with questions but I'm still educating and learning myself um what I what I have been feeling is I feel like the media can be pretty dangerous. And I also feel like so many people are feeling pressured to say things that they're completely uneducated about. Um, I feel like a lot of people um, take what's going on. Like the news is clearly covering all of this, like a lot right now, cause it's very in the moment. But what is, I've been thinking about is like what happens four or five months from now when it starts to settle down, well, hopefully, and people can, you know, most people can just go back to living their lives normally and, like, you know, black people have to continuously live in this fear. And I think that the issue is a lot of people are like posting that they support or, you know, trying to, but they're not fully educated. So I think that people need to know that this isn't like a little two month commitment. If you're going to try and make a change, like if you want to make a change, it's like a lifelong commitment. And I think that a lot of the, also the issue is a lot of people um, think that someone's going to like thank them for, not being racist or stopping something when they see it. But in reality, like you're not really going to get that gratification. It's just about changing your mindset from that to like, just knowing that you're making the world a better place and that you might not, you know, get a thank you or congratulations for, you know, doing better. Um, But I've definitely been educating myself. I've been talking to my parents a lot. I've been reading a lot. I've been trying to, I said this in the, um, trash talk thing that I've been trying to watch more middle ground media that doesn't really have an agenda um, because the media, like I said, it's pretty dangerous and they're only going to post the negatives. But um, yeah, I've been trying to be more aware of little, you know, subconscious comments that are said to me or just said about the, about George Floyd or anything um, and kind of just put, that into perspective about like what people are saying and kind of either distance myself from people or help them in a way. But like at the same time, I've been trying to realize like, it's not really my job to tell some people what's right and what's wrong. And um, definitely like try to help them. But at some point, you know, it's not my job to do that. You just need to like know what's right. Um, and I've definitely had some really tough conversations with some close friends of mine, but, um, for the most part, I'm doing pretty well. I'm just trying to be honest and get through those tough conversations and just do better for myself as well, because I still have a lot to learn. So. One last question on that note. Um, if, if, if you'd, like, uh, could you share some, some of the things that your parents 
Um, you know, so what do you talk to your parents about? Uh, because I'm sure they, they've, they've been through this a lot as well. Yeah. Um, my parents kind of just talked to me about, um, like my mom's experiences when she was younger, even like my dad's, um, and just their whole story of them kind of getting together. They were originally kind of scared to even have me in the first place. Like they weren't really sure what the outcomes for me would be kind of just like being mixed and not like bringing an interracial child into the world. They didn't really know what was going to happen. Um, they're happy that they did, but, um, just conversations like that, learning more about how they grew up and dealt with stuff like this. Um, and just, they just mentioned a lot of their concerns that they were worried about with me. Um, like going along with everything that happened in Charlottesville that happened before I got there. But my dad, since I had never really all of high school or just my whole life really been like, like shown to any of that. Um, he kind of sat me down and was just like, are you sure this is where you want to go? Like if anything were to happen, like this is kind of what you're gonna have to go through. And I, I kind of learned for it like myself. He didn't want to, he wanted me to experience it for myself. If I was like, he didn't want to tell me this was going to happen or this wasn't going to happen, but we had some talks about that. Um, yeah, just also my mom and I have talked a lot about, um, just things like I can say to my friends, like if, they have other influence like you know I don't really think the issue is our generation it's more like parents and grandparents but you know just kind of telling me about um just things I can do and they're always going to be there to support me no matter what and they have been so well <laughs> Alexis thank you it, it, it sounds like you're doing a great job of being a leader for your swim team, for your community. Um, thank you so much for your honesty and, and sharing your perspective with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, definitely. Hey, do you love swim swim as much as I do? Do you want hours of endless practice footage, race video, and a guide to the best pancakeries in the country? Then subscribe to our YouTube channel below and follow us on social media at swim swim news on Twitter and Instagram. If we get a million followers, I might just eat a million pancakes. Only one way to find out.